Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! guys and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. I am Graham Giusin Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. We've got another exclusive interview here on the show today with SmackDown superstar Kofi Kingston. So a lot like last week, we spoke to Mr. Money the Bank Austin Theory at Springfield, Massachusetts House Show. Uh, same thing with the Kofi interview. We're going to be doing the very likely the McIntyre interview next week. Although that's been up on my channel in video form for about a month now, we're going to be putting that here on the show very likely next week. Um, if not next week or next or the week after, whatever, my interview with Matt Riddle, also from that same house show. So we did a bunch of interviews that week um, at the Springfield house show, talking about live events, and there's a lot of talk about that, but you know, other thoughts and stuff about what's going on in their careers and Kofi specifically being around for a while in WWE for almost 15 years now, which is crazy. So a lot of talk about that. Kofi is always a great chat. So Kofi will be on WrestleRant Radio today discussing all of that on the back end of the show per usual. Mr. Marceau and myself breaking down, really the episode is dominated. A 90% of our conversation this week is all about the Grand Slam edition of AEW Dynamite from Wednesday, which was a great show, very newsworthy event between three championships changing hands, including the debut of Paige. Paige is now, now Soraya, um, her real name, I believe, in AEW. So a lot to discuss on that front. Great conversation with Mr. Marceau. Before any of that, though, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, we're on Pandora, Amazon Music. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss new episodes every single Thursday. On that note, please welcome at this time my special guest uh, for this episode of WrestleRant Radio, my interview with SmackDown superstar Kofi Kingston from about a month ago in Springfield, Mass. Graham Jason Matthews here live in Springfield, Mass. WWE live event with Mr. Kofi Kingston. Talking yeah. about live events are there. And again, what's something you know a thing or two about, man? What's going yes. on? Yes. Uh, well, first, I noticed the strategic placement of our standing. I did that on purpose. You're, you're yeah. on a, a, a hill. <laughs> you're probably not going to show. You don't want to show. And then you're on the higher part of the decline. Lies. Don't, so, don't. So now he goes home. I know what you're trying to do here with the positioning. We, this is what we do, so I get it. I get it. It's so. funny you say that because we did this with Theory about 20 minutes ago, and he yeah. didn't expose me. You yeah. just exposed me. I got man. to expose you, man. Oh. We got to let the people know what's going on. That's what you came back here for. I guess behind the curtain. Yeah. So we got to let them know like everything that's going on. Here, you know? so. We got to yeah. call people out. When, when they're doing stuff that need to be called out. Just, I'll just, I'll just say it, I know. Just, true. I want you to know that I know. That's, uh, that's, that's true. It. Okay, well, we got that out of the way. Yeah. It comes with the territory, I suppose. Yeah. Great to see you back on SmackDown yeah, on man. Friday. So, welcome yes. back. Coming over on uh, on the Viking Raiders. Great to see you. Yeah, man. It was, uh, it's great. So, um, Ivar and I, actually, we're from Massachusetts. I was going to say, so, so you went to school at BC or BU? I went to BC, uh, graduated from Winchester High School. Nice. So, uh, this is like being back home, you yeah. know, and... 
when I used to, uh, you know, train initially when I was first getting my start here at the uh, Chaotic Training Center. Yeah, yeah. Um, now it's New Pro Wrestling, but um, <clears throat> Handsome Johnny is what he was back in the day. You know, now he's Viking down, you know, high <laughs> bar and everything. But he's the one who like broke me into the business. So you know, all the uh, uh, animosity and everything aside, like it's very very cool for us to be in there just doing cool things in front of people because this is what we're doing in front of nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, you know, it's bittersweet because they do hit hard, you yeah. know? So you know that you definitely feel it, but at the same time, when you take a step back, look at the big picture, it is pretty cool to be doing stuff like that. Yeah, no, definitely. You guys have been feuding now for quite a while over on yeah. Smack. I'm going to get a Viking Rolls match next week that people can look forward yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. next weekend as well. And you've been around the block, so to speak. Yeah. You've been here for 14, almost 15 years in January, yeah. dude. That's crazy. The time flies so quickly. Uh, someone just, uh, so we were in Detroit last night. Yeah. Uh, someone, we went to uh, Dick's Sporting Goods and somebody pulled me aside. You know, skinny guy, worked at the place, he was a little bit taller. He's like, no, I met you 11 years ago. I'm like, oh, and I always hate when people say that, but it's like, man, I've been doing this for so long. Like, yeah, I have the picture. We took a picture. Yeah. I put it on my Instagram page, but we did a like a side by side of him when he was like this tall. You're kidding. He's this tall. So there are people that we see even at like the airports who've been coming to the airports for years with such big fans and part autographs and take pictures and all that. And I've literally like watched people grow up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people were like kids and then all of a sudden they come and they have like facial hair, they're like actually growing up. Yeah. So um, it's wild, you know, to uh, to have been around for, for so long. You look around the locker room and it's like, uh, man, I don't know really any of these guys. You know what I mean? That are yeah. around here. And I know them, but as far as like knowing them intimately and personally, uh, yeah. there's a lot of like new faces. It's a good thing, you know? So um, yeah, I'm just blessed to be able to still be uh, be hungry, be healthy, and having fun and being able to do this on a full-time basis. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. It's crazy how you've known, not known, but like seen some of these people grow up. Even yeah. like, you've known some of these people more than, like longer than you've had your own kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It it's is wild. Yeah. And it's worldwide, too. And yeah. with social media, uh, like I tend to interact with a lot of people, so there are people who I, I will keep in contact with. Yeah. You know, I'm like, That's oh, so crazy, how's man. it going? What are you doing? Oh, yeah. You know, so, um, it's the, the, the crazy world that we live in. I think uh, being a fan of WWE now is so different than it was back in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, where you really had access to your favorite WWE superstars. And um, now, granted, like we're not in conversation with everybody. We can't yeah. be there's so many people. But um, you get to see like behind the scenes, we were talking about up, up, down, down, yeah. right? And, like being on the gaming channel, you have a lot of people who play video games and you know it might be a totally different persona than you see on television yeah. but it's very relatable because um you know people people like games you know what i'm yeah. saying like so it's cool to be able to like identify and relate to people on a very personal level on, on some different ways and it's it's perfect that you mentioned that here at the live events that's exactly what you guys do through like oh, yeah. meet and greets and there's a bit fewer people at these shows than like the tv tapings and there's more freedom too because you're not dealing with commercial breaks yeah. and stuff like yeah. that so you can go up to people and try stuff out and do yeah. silly crap you know it's, what i mean it's great um with uh so being having like a live television show raw or smackdown yeah amazing experience being able to go with the pyrotechnics and the glitz and the glamour and everything but you're restricted to a certain amount of time two hours on smackdown or three hours on raw so with that you don't always have the time to be able to interact with the crowd versus these lab events it's not as nearly as restricted you know yeah. we don't want to be here all night you don't want us to be here all night we want to make sure you have a good time so we might go out there and 
people might start chanting, I don't know, well, we want pancakes. We're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, you do, and we just happen to have pancakes. We yeah. give, so we can like really play with the crowd a little bit here on these live events. Um, it's just a, a lot more, again, of an intimate experience, yeah. and um, you know, it's uh, it's just completely different than what you see on TV. So even if you've been to a televised show, yeah. your experience with these live events is totally different, especially like here in Springfield and in Massachusetts in general. We have such a huge fan base, and even coming in here, there was a police officer who had to keep telling people to like stay off the street yeah, because yeah, yeah. they were like, you know, coming around the barricade and like trying to like, you know, see people parking yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah. And obviously, we have to worry about their safety, but I just want to speak to like the passion of the people around here, yeah. and they carry that same fervor in there. You can hear them right now. Of course, you know what I mean. So um, it's always a pleasure to come here. It's always uh, an honor just to be in a place where I grew up, you know, uh, but then also just to be able to feel that, that energy. Because the energy around the world is always different. You yeah. know? But here in particular, the, the fan base is strong. We love that. I mean, I was stoked to hear that you guys were coming to Springfield. I've actually never been to a show here. I live really? in Connecticut. Yeah, I've never been to a show here. I'm more of a TD Garden person. Yeah. Obviously, you must be stoked you guys are going to Survivor Series in Boston. So stoked. First pay per view there, yeah, like ten years or something. Yeah, it's uh, I know. So we Survivor Series was there. What SummerSlam? Oh yeah, SummerSlam two years ago. Two years ago, and then the world shut down, and it never happened. So I'm glad we were able to do Survivor Series, and I feel like even back in the day, like Survivor Series in Boston was like that was a thing. You know, it was like a staple, um, you know, uh, uh, arena to to have that. Awesome pay per view. Yeah, it happened a couple times in the company. Yeah, 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 and even like uh, so, I remember. The first time that my family came to see me uh, live mm-hmm. on the main roster was in Survivor Series. Oh, oh wait. So, and I ended up being like the sole survivor. And oh, was it 09? Was that 09? This, this was, uh, I think it was 08. 08? Oh, well, I debuted in 08. Maybe, no, I think it was like end of, probably end of 08. Okay, okay. I'd yeah. imagine. Um, but. Yeah, so you know, having that Survivor Series and actually get to see like the, the All Star game, yeah, right? Where all your yeah. WWE favorite superstars from different rosters get to go at it and yeah. see who's the best. So I ended up being like the sole survivor in like the last three seconds. I think like I pinned um, Randy Orton and CM Punk, and now I have this like huge moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. So and your kids like, are seeing that, like your family's seeing that, right? Yeah, yeah. My my family was yeah, it was there. My kids were born. Okay, yeah, they're going back a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, man, it's um, it's just always surreal to be here because I used to play. Yeah, and watch them show. So now, like, I think about the people who are like they're in the shoes that I was in, mm-hmm. and they're watching and being inspired by the yeah. things that we're doing in the ring. It's just like you know, kind of like circle of life within the world of wrestling. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. It's funny you mention that too, especially since you talk about like someone like a theory. He's like 24 years old. Oh yeah. Like he's probably I don't know when he started watching yeah. specifically. I'm 27. I started watching in 2008. Yeah. So like you were one of the first people I started watching in like middle school. I think yeah. you said yeah. when you heard that, but yeah. I'm just saying yeah. it's crazy. It and is. now like he's on Raw, obviously, but like now seeing people like him, and obviously. You, there was young people coming into WWE 15 years ago, you being among them, you know? Yeah. But it's crazy now that you get to work with those same people. Oh, yeah. Again, like you said, full circle. It's circle, of circle of life. And yeah. Interesting story about Theory, too. So before we come to WWE, now we have NXT and the performance in yes. Orlando. Yep. Before that existed, um, we had um, Deep South, uh, which was in Atlanta. So um, when we were, 
Atlanta. So Theory's from Atlanta. I was going to say, and yeah. he would come to the Deep South shows. Yeah. So he used to come and watch us, like, try to get, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, trying to make it to the main roster. Yeah. So he has, like, pictures with a lot of the people that were on the Deep South roster and used to hang around. So, um, yeah, it's just wild when you think about that, like, what you're doing in the ring and how it's impacting people and motivating people to follow this wild, crazy dream. Yeah, it's amazing, man, especially since being with the company or on the main roster with the company longer than that, but coming up on 15 years. Going back to the how to the live event stuff for a second, how has that process like evolved in the last like 15 years since you joined? Is it the same? Like that's a positive, not a bad way. No, so there are some some elements that are the same as far as like the interaction and like being able to uh, be more intimate with the crowd, Mm -hmm. but um, now it's a lot more. like full scale, professional looking. Like we didn't. It, we used to just come out of a black curtain. Yeah. That was our presentation. I'm sure <laughs> That's you remember, like you Yeah. Know, so, and at the time it was fine. But to think about going back to that, it's like oh, because you look at it now, it's like high def TV. You have like you know three or four different monitors. It's almost like a mini version yeah. of Raw or SmackDown. You have a big entrance, you know. Um, and then around like the holidays and stuff too, we have like a lot. They, they decorate the stage and all yeah. that. So, um, they. I think one of the focuses of the company was to make these live events more, just make them bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and and kind of increase the hype that was already there, just and, and increase it tenfold because when you feel like you're at something that like looks important, looks yeah. professional, even with like the uh, like our VIP experience, yep. it's awesome because people get to come in <clears throat> and they get to meet like some of their favorite WWE superstars yeah. before the show. So they get to come in early, they get to be by the ring, feel what the ring actually yeah. feels like, and be like, no, it's not actually like a pillow at all. Oh, <laughs> it might hurt when you get slammed on there. Yeah. Uh, or, or have like a, like a little signing with like three or four people that show up. So it's just a great way to kick off like just the, the event. So it's kind of like this big crescendo of energy, and then we feel that energy too, we take that energy, and then we, you know, we, 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 we amplify it. And then people amplify it, and by the end of the night, like everybody knows that they've had like a great experience, and that's yeah. always the goal of every single show. Um, and we do it, you know, almost every night of the week. So. When smiles on faces, isn't that the old expression? That's I mean, what it is. It's what it is. People criticize, but it's oh, true. You it's know, so, it's such a like a, like a stereotypical or um, you know cliche term. Yeah, like a corporate thing or whatever. But right? it's so true, and especially with like the pandemic, being having to go through like you know Raw and SmackDown in empty arenas. Yeah. It was weird, man. Yeah. Like just the people bring such a, a, a vital element to to what we do. Yeah. Without the people, it is not the same. And the pandemic was great. We were able to bring people entertainment, sure. and you know, in a time where people couldn't get together and all of that. Made the most of it. But yeah. you know, especially like for us, like the new day, like we thrive on yeah. fan interaction. Sometimes we focus more on that than we do with the match. You know, <laughs> you can't throw so, pancakes at the screens and exactly, the thunder dome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I'm just so glad that we're able to like all get together now in person. Yeah. It really makes a huge difference. And um, you know, you can feel that energy out there. With yeah. People, you know, I think they're so excited that we're able to do it again. And, yeah. um, no, it's our pleasure to do so. Yeah, so, no, we're yeah. glad to see you guys back on the road and yeah. kicking ass and all these other matches. And yeah. as we wind down here, being on the main roster, I keep going back for almost 15 years. It's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind as far as stuff that you tried on live events that you're like, well, let's let's see if this works and like you translate yeah. the TV? Like, is there stuff that we've seen on TV either from you or like the New Day in general oh, that yeah. started here at live events? Everything that we have done on TV started at a live event, wow. whether it be on the road, traveling in the car, or yeah. just doing random stuff in the ring. Um, literally everything, and and we usually go out there and we try to entertain each other, 
And then when something like that works, we say, oh, people kind of like that. Well, let's <laughs> yeah. see if they like it this time. Oh, yeah. they like it here. Well, let's bring it on TV and see if they like it there too. So um, the, being on the road and having these live events was just integral to the chemistry development of me, Woods, and Heat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to like travel with each other pretty much every single week, you know, have matches with each other. But this is all before everything was televised. Yeah, yeah. And just to kind of like, foster that chemistry and, and really fine tune it. And by the time that we were able to debut on TV, even though we were like supposed to be like happy, clappy creatures, yeah. people were able to look past all of that and focus on the chemistry and the good times that we were having. Yeah. And when you see someone having a good time, like you want to get in there, you want to see what that's about. You know, what yeah. are they doing? You exactly. Know, oh, these guys are clapping. Oh, that's a unique clap. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it became our thing. So. Um, it's just um, like the, the live events, we really cherish them. They're really kind of like the lifeblood yeah. of what we do, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just it's just a great way to interact with people on, yeah. on a personal level, for sure. And especially with the evolution of the New Day, kind of getting its start on the house shows and the live events and whatnot. Yeah. Was it a case when you guys started doing it? Because there was that period where you started off on TV. Yeah. Obviously, then it became like a live event thing as we're trying it out there. Yep. We saw it on TV a couple of months after that. Was it a case like when you guys started doing it, mm -hmm. and it's getting great? I mean, people at the house shows like it's like genuine fans. Like sometimes the TV tapings, pay per views, kind of get those hardcore fans. If they don't sure. like something, they'll let you know about oh, yeah. it. You know, like yeah, yeah. was it weird? I mean, I guess you guys weren't booed originally when you guys first started doing the New Day. Not really. But we like, weren't booed in the first like month because yeah. everyone was happy to see us doing something significant yeah, on exactly. TV. But then they realized like no one comes to a WWE show to go to church and be preached at. <laughs> Then they were like, wait a minute, we don't like you. As a matter of fact, you suck. And yeah. what, what, even when people react like um, negatively, I guess, yeah. as long as they're reacting, like that's Ooh. something. You know, we have people that yeah. we yeah. want to be booed. We have people that we want to be cheered. Absolutely. And obviously, it's up to the people, but we just want you to, and we want you to like express whatever it is that you're feeling, mm -hmm. and, and not be bashful about actually just. You know, coming out of your show and doing it. They turn the lights down, you know, nobody's gonna make fun of you. Like, no, this is yeah. what you're here to do. You're here to have a great time and we wanna make sure that that happens. So, um, yeah, um, being able to have the live events again was just a, a crucial part of the development of, of New Day because by the time we got on TV, and for those of you who don't know, like, you know, we usually have, depending on what show you're on, you either have, uh, TV and then live events after, or live events right before and then TV. Yeah. So to be able to kind of like, it's not even really like practice because every match is different, yeah. but it's like being able to like understand, know, um, and and become intimate with yourself and your own character. Yeah. To be able to like portray that in a way that's not uncomfortable, um, you have to get out there in front of people and try stuff. So this yeah. is the, that's what makes it fun when like things kind of go off the rails. It's like, all right, whoa, okay, <laughs> yeah. man, like, well, that didn't work. Oh, we yeah. thought it was going to be cool. It's not. How are we going to make it, like, entertaining and exciting? Like, that's where it gets fun for us. So, um, yeah, no, we value a lot of events, really. It's, um, yeah, we, we cherish them for sure. It's awesome, man. Last question for you on yeah. the live events. How relaxing is it for you guys? Like, this atmosphere backstage, yeah. it's really cool, man. I and mean, not to say that it's not like that at TV days, yeah. but... There's a lot less to worry about. You guys were just doing up, up, down, down like 20 uh, minutes ago. You know what I mean? It's cool. Yeah, it definitely is cool. It's something that we enjoy. And um, I think that like if you are a WWE superstar, you have to enjoy this. Yeah. You have to enjoy what we do. Um, otherwise, you won't make it. This yeah. is, uh, the, the reality is that it's really grueling. You know, um, the travel. We had an early flight this morning to get here after having a late show last night. Yeah. You know, not much sleep. 
Um, but you still have to wake up, work out, gear up, and come to the show. Like you have to love it. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, I guess it's more laid back than TV in the sense that like we're not restricted to the time, mm -hmm. but it is still intense in terms of us really wanting to put on that the best show possible for yeah. the people, and that's what excites us to have, to have the opportunity to do that, and then going out and delivering that. That you know, you feel like you did the job and you gave people more than their money's worth. So. We're going to be seeing yeah. that tonight. You yeah. and Xavier and Drew right. take another brawling brooch. That's and then, right. yeah, looking yeah, forward to it man. here in Springfield. Yeah. So, enjoy being back in the, yeah. in the Mass area. I know yeah. you're going to be here tonight, obviously, but, yep. you know, Boston Survivor Series, Worcester yep. in like a Worcester. month. Worcester, yep. So, you got to yep. be, I went to college in Beverly. So, oh, like, nice. yeah, I love the area. Okay. It's great. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to the shows. Yeah, I can go. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Just to let you know, see now, you see where we ended up. So you see me bring, there was we bring it full circle, right? Because I know what I'm doing. I'm talking, but I'm taking a little step closer, closer, and he's getting, oh, he's taking baby steps back. So by the time we get to the end of the interview, we get yep. to, like, level ground here. Uh, and now, you see, now, you know what I mean? So that's, you know, that we talk about full circle. Yeah, we're talking about full circle. You know, the long con, as they say. Dream Juice and Matthews here, exposed, bleachport.com. Kofi, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you, bro. <laughs> appreciate it, boss. Big thanks to Kofi for the time. His quotes were included in my piece on WWE house shows, live events, what have you, over on Bleach Report about two weeks ago, so check that out when you have a chance. Uh, always great chatting with Kofi, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll probably have the McIntyre interview, even though it's already been up on my channel, uh, over at youtube.com backslash WrestleRamp for about a month now. We'll probably have the audio of that one up here on the show next week, so keep an eye out for that. And then Riddle the following week, uh, if not the week after that, at some point. We'll have the Riddle one up at some point, and I'm updating and uploading all my interviews from the last couple of months I did not have a chance to upload previously with all the WWE recruits and Dwight Howard and the SVP of Talent Operations and Strategy, James Kimball from SummerSlam Weekend. Great chat with him. That made some headlines, I think today actually, um, just talking about the NXT developmental process and stuff like that. Their system in place now with the next-in-line athletes. That's up on my channel now in video form. The Paul Heyman interview I'll probably be putting up today. Uh, looking forward to uh, dropping that one. Heyman was an absolute gem to talk to. So the point is, more interviews here to come on the show and more interviews to drop over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRan. If you're not already subscribed to that channel, you absolutely should be. But now let's uh, transition to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down largely, and some raw talk at the end as well, uh, some thoughts on AEW's Grand Slam edition of Dynamite and the breaking news of uh, War Games coming to Survivor Series in Boston this coming November. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Good to you. Doing excellent. Let's get into the obvious based off of uh, what happened on Monday. And we, it was the breaking news and whatnot. So before we get into Grand Slam, which I do want to start with in a moment, Raw and NXT, I do want to get into this. This broke on Monday. I texted you the news. I was very happy. I was able to break the news to you, not the other way around this time. War Games is coming to Survivor Series for the first time ever. Triple H wasting no time in, in instituting one of his favorite matches in the main roster. That in the fight pit um, that we'll get into in our Raw review in a little bit. But um, War Games is coming to Survivor Series. Triple H made the comment to the ringer on Monday that two things. There's going to be a men's War Games match and a women's War Games match. And not only that, but we're also going to be getting more storyline-driven War Games matches and not just brand supremacy. So I haven't listened to the interview. I haven't read the interview. I don't know if that means that they're doing away with the brand splits or the brand supremacy stuff this year. I would have no issue either way. Um, they very well might be. His point was that that match specifically, the War Games match, would not 
uh, be involved. They're not have to do with brand supremacy. So just want to get your thoughts on the exciting announcement that War Games coming to Survivor Series first time ever. It's been at Survivor Series weekend the last couple of years, not at Survivor Series itself. And the fact that we're very likely going to be there in Boston to see it in person. No, yeah, I thought it was a great announcement. I mean, when Survivor Series originally had Elimination Chamber, I feel like that was great. And if they ever do forget, like, get rid of the whole Elimination Chamber pay-per-view format or premium live event format, like, I feel like Survivor Series is the perfect place to have that and War Games. So I feel like you could alternate depending on what's going on. Like, Elimination Chamber is more, like, it's more of a Elimination Chamber storyline or War Games. I think they're both great matches. I do prefer Elimination Chamber a little bit more. I like War. I like War Games, but I will say I feel like the last couple installments it just it does drag on a lot, and it's just the fact that the match technically doesn't start until everyone's in. Like I don't know. I feel like they kick their shit out of each other for thirty minutes, and then the match finally starts. I don't know, but that's just kind of a nitpick on my end. But no, I think it's great. And like you said, it's funny once Triple H gets in charge, like all this new stuff's coming in or stuff that NXT had is starting to hit the main roster. But I'm glad if. It killed brand supremacy, or it just won't deal with the brand supremacy stuff. I mean, we've we've been complaining about that for for like years at this point. That the whole brand supremacy stuff is dumb. There's never any stakes. Hopefully, there's some stakes. If you win war games or something come out of it, I don't know if there will be, but even that will just be better than Raw or SmackDown. It just it to the point that at this point, there's so many guys on Raw that are on SmackDown and vice versa. Like, who cares at that point? Yeah, no, exactly. Especially it was, the timing was terrible because it always happened right after the draft. Someone had just been to Raw and it was on Raw six weeks earlier. Now they're supposed to like represent this brand that they just got drafted to. It never made any sense. And above all else, as we've talked about many, many times before, no stakes. There was no reason to care, no incentive to give a shit. And the pay-per-views were largely not that great. The best one they've done probably since the brand supremacy starf started, without a doubt, <clears throat> was the 2019 installment also involving NXT, so I am actually really looking forward to War Games. You can have more storylines being told with the women, with the men. It does become an issue of, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be an annual thing at Survivor Series, or I would I would rather they, and they haven't done this yet in WWE, which is surprising to me, and I know it was such a success in that first year in 2017, they made, they made it an annual event in NXT every you know November, every December. My thing with the War Games matches are, they should only hold them when it makes sense. Because otherwise, you kind of get into the same issue of Hell in the Cell, where you have... It's it's the same thing, where we have it at the same time every year. Now, the Black and Gold NXT War Games matches largely made sense, because Undisputed Era was involved in every single one of them. Uh, we had the one last year, it was Team Black and Gold versus Team NXT 2.0. That made sense. The women's one, I don't remember exactly what the storyline there was. But... You know, I don't really want to see it held at the same time every year if there's not going to be a reason for it. So this year is great. Selfishly, like I said, we'll be there. Um, as an annual staple, it could work. Especially if... I don't know if we're going to be getting the elimination matches. I would assume so. It's Survivor Series. I'm not exactly sure what that means as far as that goes. But I do agree with you. I thought the Elimination Chamber was like the perfect attraction for that show. In 2 and that's one of the best Survivor Series shows of all time. They only did it once. They haven't done it since of that show, which is a shame. Um, but we'll see. But I'm very excited that it's being brought back this year, and I think it's going to add a lot more excitement to an otherwise forgotten pay-per-view in Survivor Series. So it, it's the only big four pay-per-view, so to speak, that's not in front of a stadium. 
The Rumble is in like a baseball park every year. Mania, SummerSlammer in big stadiums. They have Clash in a big stadium. The two Saudi shows in two big stadiums. The same one, actually, I think. And then this one's at the fucking TD Garden, which is great for us because we'll be there. But again, I think it would help if they kind of treated it with more respect going forward. And I think this is a good first step in uh, accomplishing that. But before we get into the more WWE stuff from Raw, I do want to get into the you know, the hot topic of Grand Slam last night. We're fresh off of it. It's still on the mind from last night's Dynamite. Uh, and overall, I thought a good show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It really did feel like a mini pay-per-view. And the best part about that was that it was not four or five hours long. There was no pre-show. It wasn't a four-hour show. It was for the people in the building. Uh, they had to sit through another two-hour Grand Slam. And I don't feel bad for them because it sounded like a good show on paper, so... Not exactly a bad thing, Um, but I thought Dynamite was a very succinct show. Five championship matches, three championships changing hands, and a debut as well, and a portrait on a pair of trees. So overall, a very newsworthy night. Um, Overall impressions, Mr. Marceau, before we get into each individual moment and match, your overall impressions from last night's Grand Slam edition of AEW Dynamite. Yeah, I thought it was a solid show. Like you said, five title matches. It didn't seem like it was too overbearing. I feel like normally... Dynamite just feels like after segment after segment, but they did do that a little bit. Like after every match, it was like a segment or something different. But no, I, I like you said, I feel like it was more of like a mini pay per view. Uh, I mean, it's the biggest crowd that they, it's probably the biggest crowd they get all year. So rightfully so, it should probably have like a pay per view feel. But with the title matches, it just kind of puts it over the top. Yeah, it's probably, you make a good point. It probably is their biggest dynamite all year as far as attendance goes. I can't think of another one that did more than this as far as a dynamite goes. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, the crowd was hot all night long, specifically for the first hour or so. They were white hot. And that's always, uh, you know, adds more enjoyment to these shows. But we started the show with a Ring of Honor World Championship match. Ring of Honor, by the way, still without a weekly television show under the AEW banner. Uh, Chris Jericho beating Claudio Castagnoli and probably the shock of the night, even more than the page debut because I saw some people speculating that earlier in the day on Twitter there was a report about her and now she's an AW so that, I mean that was a great moment we'll get to that but I mean I wasn't overly shocked because I kind of figured there might be a chance of that Jericho winning the Ring of Honor championship certainly took me by surprise um, I thought it was a very good match I think Jericho works best with people like Claudio his best matches in AEW I mean probably have come this year even more so than his initial championship run. He's had some really good matches this year with Eddie Kingston, not the barbed wire mess, but the first one of Revolution. Um, The Moxley match I thought was great. The Danielson matches were very good. And I thought this was a really good match as well. So if he can kind of keep the bullshit to a minimum, I think that he's at his best in that way. But now he's the Ring of Honor world champion. And there's been a lot of discourse about this online, Mr. Marceau. This is awful. This is great. Somewhere in the middle. Personally, I'm still indifferent towards it. I think it could have positives, and I think it could have negatives, and I'll get into each one of those pros and cons in a moment. But off the bat, I want your top takeaway here. I want your instant reaction. Chris Jericho is Ring of Honor World Champion. Yay or nay, or do you just not care? Um, I'd probably lean towards nay. I mean, I like Claudio a lot, and I thought he'd be the perfect person for Ring of Honor. I would say more nay as well. I, I just feel like the only reason Jericho had won is just to say that he won the Ring of World. Like, so you can just like notch that off the record. Like, oh, I was Ring of Honor World Champion as well. Like. Okay, I mean, like you said, it's not like they have like running TV. Just doesn't fit. I just doesn't really fit Ring of Honor style. So maybe like he's gonna pull off like the sports entertainer thing. But I don't know. I just felt like Claudio was so perfect to be the champion or like face of Ring of Honor if they ever do get off the ground. That I, I, like you said, I, I just feel like Jericho winning was just to say that he won the belt, not like there was no real reason for him to win besides that one kind of like saying that he won the belt. So I would have kept it on Claudio. 
like I said, if they ever do get like TV or start like running as a pro, as a brand, then I, I would rather have Claudio as a champion. But I, I, I mean, like I said, I just feel like Jericho wanted just to like notch another, put another notch in the belt. Nothing like substantial will happen out of it. Well, yeah, going off that Ring of Honor TV thing, two-part question for you. And my thing was, in seeing this, my initial reaction was, I feel like they did this, not only to give Jericho another accolade, as you mentioned, but also because it might be more appealing to Warner Brothers Discovery or whoever in looking for a TV deal for Ring of Honor. So I ask you, do you think that might have played a factor? And also, that was the same reason that people gave as to why Claudio beat Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Because again, former WWE guy, Claudio is not Jericho. Jericho obviously is, uh, obviously is an objectively bigger star, of course. Um, but Claudia was tailor-made more for that Ring of Honor style. I'll get into more pros and cons of this Jericho thing in a moment. But do you think the TV deal stuff was kind of a main factor as to why they may have put the championship on him a lot like they put the AEW World Championship on him at first three years ago? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I think it was more of a... was more of like a... a, a record thing than actually put I mean like you said people are saying that when Claudia won and then nothing came out of it so I mean I just I don't, I don't know I don't think so I, I I would just say I think it's more of like a, a, a record thing I don't think it's going to lead the TV do you think that part of it as well is the fact that they're using this and you mentioned it before I mean Jericho the whole sports entertainment shit I think that shit is awful but I can see what they're going for with it I've mentioned many many times as you as you as you have as well the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff is just not my cup of tea. He's had some great matches, like I said. His in-ring work has actually been great this year with the right opponents um, in the right circumstance and the right stages. Anarchy in the arena side, I thought that was garbage. But, um, you know, he's the Ring of Honor World Champion now. Maybe he can have some good matches with, I, I say the Ring of Honor roster. I'm not even really sure what the fucking Ring of Honor roster is. Uh, the Ring of Honor Championships, the top two titles are currently, I mean, actually, three... Wait, who's the Ring of Honor Women's Champion? Mercedes, I think she got hurt. So they have five championships, I think. They have the Pure, Women's, Tag Team, Television, and World. Three of those five, or actually four of those titles are occupied by people that were in WWE in the last couple of years. I mean, I know Joe was a Ring of Honor person first. Jericho certainly was not. Uh, Mercedes was just in WWE a year ago. FTR were in WWE a few years ago. So I'm not that guy. I don't want to be that guy, but it is interesting that they're putting all their championships on people not that were AEW homegrown I mean Garcia is but you know that came from WWE but nonetheless um what was I getting at there but Jericho is the champion do you think part of it as you mentioned earlier is the fact that they want to tell this story with him and Garcia and Garcia kind of he kind of shot him that look like "Eh, he wasn't really happy with how Jericho won that championship it's not in the spirit of Ring of Honor to win a championship that way do you think they're just kind of using that as storyline bait to kind of further the story and further the feud between Garcia and Jericho? It's possible, but I just don't think it needs the title. Like, I feel like the story, like, I feel like they've been teasing the story at this point. Why does Jericho have to win the title to, like, change anything? Like, clearly Garcia cost him a match a couple weeks ago because he's going to use a chair or, like, got involved, so, like, why would winning the championship would all of a sudden, like, spark their feud? I don't know. They've been so in and off, like, oh, like, I don't know if I want to be a sports entertainer or a pro wrestler. Like, those story, honestly, I'm just over. I just don't care. Well, yeah. The, it, it, well, sorry, go ahead. I just don't think it needs a title. Yeah, well, it's just one of those AEW things where we talked about it earlier. They'll heat something up, like a story or a feud or a tease of a split, and then they'll cool it down, and they'll heat it up again, and they'll cool it down. And to me, it gets to a point where it just doesn't mean as much as it would have if you just pulled the trigger a couple of months ago. 
Um, not saying they should have done that with Garcia and Jericho already. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's impossible to say until it finally happens. Because until it happens, I can't say. Because when it happens, I could say, you know what, the timing's fine. I still care, whatever. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan, like I said, of the faction anyway. The story they're telling, I honestly don't mind it. I think that's kind of cool. Like, I, I know what you're saying. It doesn't need the championship. It's just another interesting wrinkle because Claudio was on the show, I guess. He wasn't really doing much. He had that match on Rampage with Dax Harwood. He won the championship two months ago. A very uneventful reign. I saw people saying, oh, he had such a great reign. I mean, he was champion for fucking two months on a show that doesn't even have a show. And Rampage is basically Ring of Honor TV at this point. And they had Joe and Josh Woods for the TV title last week. Um... I don't know. I don't think it's in like a slight on Claudio. I think Claudio can get the championship back. Um, I, I don't know. Also, do you think bigger picture? I understand you lean more towards Nay. Honestly, d- does it even matter what they do with the Ring of Honor championship or really any of the Ring of Honor titles until they get a TV show? Because I feel like at this point, it's just a floating chance. It's really just a prop until they give that belt its own show. Yeah, I agree. At this point, it's just a title just to say that someone has a title if there's nothing like like I said, there's no TV or anything, but I just also think it weighs down everyone else's title. When everyone has a belt, it just doesn't mean as much. I agree. Yeah, no, no. We, we see everyone on these shows with championships from New Japan. Osprey will come in with a Rev Pro championship. The AEW titles, the million of AEW titles we have now. Um, the Ring of Honor championship. Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti having the AAA titles. I mean, um, you know, FTR have the AAA titles and the New Japan titles and everything else. And. I mean, have they even, I mean, I'm not, I don't think you would know, but have they even defended those championships since they, in the last couple of months, since FDR became the New Japan champions? I know they have a championship defense coming up in, like, early October. Have they defended those fucking belts at all, like, or the Ring of Honor championships since uh, Death Before Dishonor two months ago? Like, they're a team that's doing nothing right now, and thankfully we saw them on this show. I think they appeared right after this segment. But in a fucking match or a segment with the Gun Club to set up a match with them. Been there, done that, I just don't care. And they also mentioned the rankings that apparently don't mean anything at this point anymore. Yeah, I mean, the rankings kind of, I mean, they've been no more contenders for six months. They haven't got a title shot. At this point, I'm done with the rankings. It's People keep saying the rankings matter and all the stuff, but they clearly don't because there's a team that's been no more contenders for six months and they haven't got one title shot, so... And it, it's it's one of those things that it works when they want it to work and it doesn't when they don't. So I'm kind of over the rankings, but I just like I said, I think it's dumb that they have all these belts and they just don't defend them. It just makes no sense. Yeah, well, they had um, well, yeah, FTR. But I was talking more about the the rankings, like you mentioned. That's what I was thinking of as far as I, I thought they did a good job with it, like because we complained about that a couple of years ago, I remember, and then they actually did a better job of actually utilizing the rankings for like. I don't know, maybe about a year from, like, maybe last year through this year. Like, they would mention the rankings more on TV. Did you see that report or whatever about the rankings and how they haven't, if you Google it right now, they haven't updated the rankings since August 31st, which would have been before All Out. So they haven't updated the rankings at all. And there was a report from, I think, Meltzer that they're going to be toning down the rankings and not putting as much emphasis on it, which tells me that they're throwing it out the window because they realize for a pro wrestling environment, it's probably, you either have to really be dedicated to it You can't be lazy with it. It's like a brand split. If you're going to be lazy with it, then don't fucking do it because it's just not going to mean as much as it should. No, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, with the whole sports-based wrestling thing, it's clearly not when you're doing goofy things or, like you said, you have rankings that you're allegedly going to go off of and that don't mean anything. So if they're not going to do it, you just got to just just go away with it. But, I mean, I kind of like the rankings. Like you said, when they actually made it make sense, it it was nice, but... Also, when you count people's wins on dark that no one sees, I mean, 
I think that's just another thing that they did that just made no sense. Like, someone would win, like, 20 times in the dark and all of a sudden get a title match. But then if you just watch Strictly TV, you would never have seen them wrestle. So, like, yeah. where are these 20 wins? It's like back in the day when they said people won titles in, like, fucking Bolivia. Like, you never saw it. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, with Pat Patterson, like, yeah. Like, oh, where do you win this belt? Oh, I won the Chicago house show. Like, no one knows. But, like, nowadays, like, if you're not watching main TV and you just give them a title shot, you're just like, oh, they won a dark. And then you look and they face, like, Either underneath or just jobber broad in teams. Like, why, why does this matter? Yeah, no, it's like a prime example, and we mentioned this a week or two ago, the Acclaim. They got a rematch in New York City, and listen, I'm happy they won. I'm happy they're tag team champions. I don't want to complain too much, but if, if you got to call it spade a spade here. Why do they earn a rematch? Because they're from New York? Okay, but if we're talking from a storyline standpoint, you have to look at things from a booking standpoint and from a storyline standpoint. Some things make sense from a booking standpoint. They do not make sense from a storyline standpoint. But if they're not going to make sense from like a, from a storyline standpoint, then at least attempt to explain why that's the case. For example, the acclaimed lost clean at All Out, when I don't think they should have, but whatever. At least they won here. They lost. Why are they getting a rematch? Do not give me the shit, oh, they're from New York. Okay, from a booking standpoint, I get that. From a show standpoint, why the fuck would they earn another title shot? They lost clean. The very least they could have done, honestly, could it was they should have just had Swerve cheat to win it all out because he was furthering his heel turn anyway. Have him cheat to win. They got fucked out of the win and then do a rematch. But the problem was that they lost clean and did not bother to explain why they got another shot. And no one's really talking about that because it it doesn't fit the narrative. Because again, we're all happy for the acclaimed, and we'll get into that in a moment. But again, you got to call a spade a spade here that they really didn't deserve a title shot in the first place, or, or at yeah, least for the, for the rematch. Oh yeah, we were saying that even Swerve said it in their press conference yeah. at the all out. He was like, "Wait, why are they getting a rematch? We just beat them clean." And Tony's like, "Well, they're from New York. Like, like that's just dumb. It makes no <laughs> sense." And like you said, at least if you're gonna do it, at least have have them cheat to win, so they at least have a bitch like. They literally got beat clean as a sheet. There's no reason to have a rematch, and they just did it because they're from New York. Like you said, it was a great moment and everything, but if you're going to put the titles on, they should have just done it at all out. Because like you said, they lost clean, they didn't have a bitch, and then they beat... If anything, Swerving our glory as a bitch now because they didn't they didn't lose clean because Billy Gunn got involved. So yeah. then there's going to be another rematch because they, knowing them, they won't even get a rematch, but they should because they literally didn't lose clean. Like They got screwed. Yeah, exactly. So going off of that, I thought the match was great. I would say the All Out match was better. Um, the outcome from All Out did make this one a bit more predictable, but there was still a chance that Swerve and Our Glory could win. So I'm not going to say it was extremely predictable, at least not, at least not in my opinion, because, you know, I think part of the thing with WWE and AEW is that when they do something stupid, it does increase the chances of like, okay, there is a chance that they could do something dumb again. So to an extent, I've said this before, they're incompetent in booking at times actually works in their favor in instances like this. So I will give them credit for that to a certain extent. But it worked in this match. I thought it was a great match. The crowd was behind all the acclaimed. They finally win the big one. They were a prime stepping stone team where they lost to the champ. They were like the Nyla Rose of the tag team division. You would crown new champions. They would get the first shot. They would always lose. They lost to the Young Bucks. They lost to the Lucha Bros. They lost to Jurassic Express. They lost to fucking Swerve in our glory. They finally won here. Thank God. I was not a fan of Billy Gunn. Him even being in the act is stupid. Although they are over as a trio, I think the Acclaim could do without him, but whatever. Um, having him help them win, I thought was silly. The match itself, I thought was great. And it gets us one step closer to Swerve and Keith Lee. They're split, hopefully going their separate ways. Um, but I could see, as you mentioned, I didn't really think about that. They could do a third match, one to kill time. 
and two, because they got cheated out of a victory. So uh, your thoughts on the match itself and the championship changing hands? Oh, that was a good match. Like, so I like the all-out match better. I don't know. I just like, feel like it felt a little bit better. I don't even know how to describe it. I thought they both were good matches, but I liked the all-out match a little bit better. Like you said, I, I mean, storyline-based, like there's no reason them to have a rematch, but whatever. They won. Great for them. I wouldn't put them in the same as Nyla Rose, though. Like, at least Nyla Rose had won the belt, and then once she dropped it, that's when she came to Seven Stone. Like, they claimed were just like... True. They were just every other tag team that would get a title shot and just lose, and then get, like, just randomly get more and more title shots. But I'm glad they finally won. Like you said, they're extremely over. Billy Gunn being in the act, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not really big into, like, the whole scissor me daddy thing. I just think it's silly and dumb, but I guess it works for them. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'd want my kid yelling scissor me, daddy, but there we go. So, mm-hmm. uh, it is what it is. But, uh, no, them winning here made sense, like you said. I think they'll probably do a rematch just because they did get cheated out of the win. Billy Gunn got involved. And, like I said, maybe just the burn time or, I guess, consist the split between Swerve and Keith. But I guess we'll see. I just feel like once they break Keith and Swerve up, I'm very interested to see what they do with them next. I mean, the whole tag team, I feel like the tag team was just to put them together just to do something because at the time they weren't doing anything. So it's with these tag teams, especially makeshift ones, with other people that are on their own that aren't doing anything, I'm interested to see what they do with Keith and, and Swerve once they break them off. Yeah, it's like Starks and Hobbs. We said the same thing. As soon as they break them off, what are they going to do next? And it, it's hard to say because they're still feuding. They're having a match on Grand Slam on Friday. Uh, we still don't know where they go from that feud once it's over. Um, but with Lee and Swerve, though, I know a couple of months ago, around double or nothing time, I mean, we've always been high on him, but you were really on the Swerve train. He was. You really love what he was doing. You were digging his, his act. Um, I think he works. He's a great babyface. I think he's at his best as a heel. I think he showed that in NXT. He's just creatively in his element. And in the ring, he just fires on another cylinder. I thought the story of this match, the acclaimed was over and whatever. I thought the best part of the match was actually Swerve and the fact that he was able to turn the crowd against him while still getting Keith Lee cheered. I thought that was extraordinary. And I think Swerve could be a real breakout because they need more credible heels, dude. They don't really have a lot of great, credible heels. Sammy Guevara, I don't give a flying fuck about. But, you know, they have a couple of other people. MJF, obviously, at the top of the card. Jericho, I guess, but it's Jericho. They need more established heels, and I think he can be one of those guys, and Hobbs as well, if they build them up the right way, both Hobbs and um, uh, Swerve, if they split them off and actually do something meaningful with him, just based off the work that I've seen from him in recent weeks and months. Yeah, he's been great. I, I really liked his work so far in 2022. I feel like he's probably been one of the better acquisitions they've made. I feel like he's been great, and... I mean, obviously the booking helps as well, but he's good in the ring. Like so I think he's a lot better as a heel as well. He just, I don't know, he just feels like more of a heel, and I feel like he's more in his, like you said, more in his element as a heel. So hopefully they can break him off. I mean, like you said, besides MJF and like Jericho or some established ex WWE guy, they really don't have any heels. Like Sammy Guevara, don't care about Powerhouse is great, but I mean, they kind of missed the boat on him. I mean, now they're trying to like repackage him and kind of repush him, but when I mean, they should have been doing this with him a long time ago. But besides even him, like, where's Lance Archer? Don't know where he is. Brian Cage. Brian Cage is gone. Miro, I mean, what happened to Miro? <laughs> Miro's a baby. Last time I knew Miro was a baby face anyways. He was, was, but then I'm thinking yeah, now maybe up. they could turn him back because Malachi's gone, so that's another heel they're down. They're another I was say Malachi's gone now, so, I mean, they do need more credible heels, so I, 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 I would kind of go in that direction, but I guess we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, now we'll see. Um, I think he could be another great addition to that roster. And I don't know. It, it's interesting because the the week that he arrived in a three day span, he debuted in AEW as well as Regal and Jeff Hardy. Obviously, Regal's not a wrestler, so that's a little different. He's uh, I, I've enjoyed his stuff with the BCC, but it's interesting that his arrival got overshadowed by Jeff Hardy, who's not even here right now. And did you hear the report that he might be back soon? Matt Hardy said, and and I mean, no thanks. I mean, it's been what two or three months, I just think that would be really stupid. I don't know if he should be back at all. It's like the Punk thing. Punk Punk is obviously a different case. I shouldn't compare the two. That's not remotely similar, but the Hardy thing is just, I I mean, I don't know. That that should have been the last draw. I mean, that was pretty dumb when he got involved in. Yeah, I, I mean, even with Matt Hardy, I saw Matt Hardy's going to be on Rampage. Like, I just, I just don't care. No, I'm the biggest Matt Hardy fan in the world, but if you can't find anything for, interesting for him to do, then, I mean... I don't know. I mean, he was on. He faced Darby last week in a good match, but I don't know, man. Don't really understand it. Um, let's see here. MJF interrupting Wheeler Yuta. Not much to say about this one, but probably setting up MJF and Yuta for a future episode of Dynamite, I would assume. Um, and MJF really hasn't wrestled all that much at all. I look back after watching those interviews that we were talking about earlier that he did with Ariel Hawani and uh, Brandon Walker. He's only had like five matches this year. He had two matches with Punk, one on Dynamite, one at Revolution. He faced Sean Dean, I think, twice. Obviously, both times losing to Countout and DQ or whatever. And then he lost to Wardlow at double or nothing. I think other than that, he has not wrestled at all, which is remarkable. And he's still the best thing going in this entire company. So that'll probably be his first match back. He'll obviously win. But um, your thoughts in this segment, him being beloved, even though he attacked Tony Schiavone? I don't know. I don't think that's a MJF issue. I mean, he's, he's doing his best to turn people against him, and they just love him. So maybe they turn him into a tweener. I don't know, but... I don't know. I thought this was good stuff from M- from MJF, though. Yeah, I thought this was great. I mean, him and Wheeler, I mean, no thank you. And now WC Mor- W. Morrissey's now his new Wardlow, I guess. But um, Stupid. This was fine. Like I said, I don't know. I just feel like they do this stuff a lot. Like, there's a heel, but they're, like, in their hometown, and then they get cheers. They do it Britt Baker all the time, too. It's like they want her to boo. They want them to boo her. She'll face a baby face, but they're in Pittsburgh, and then they just boo the baby face. It's like counter just counteractive i just don't get it maybe just like this crowd's more into it i feel like even wwe i feel like they're just not the heels aren't as over even in their hometown i feel like they're not as over but i don't know for AEW specifically brit and mjf whenever they're at home they just make the baby face look like a fucking idiot and it is what it is i'm trying to think brit baker like face someone i think it was a champion I don't know yeah if it was I, yeah it was it was last year i think might be what you were thinking of on rampage it was the first rampage i think and she in her hometown faced red velvet who was still a baby face at that point and they did her yeah. no favors yeah and people like booed her out of the building I'm yeah like, exactly yeah. it's like what are you doing yeah it's, and like i said even wheeler last night he made, they made him look like a like a dipshit baby face like guy just got sh- he's not good on the mic to begin with and then MGF just eviscerated him. I'm like, what, what do you do? What do you like? Did the, the, the guy no favors, and he just got booed. So exactly, it's just stupid. I don't know. They want if they want you to get over as he was a couple of months ago, coming off that Moxley match, then putting him in there with one of the most beloved stars in the company probably was not the uh, was not the smartest thing to do. Um, but from there, we got Pack and Orange Cassidy with the AW All Atlantic Championship, a renewal of a rival over here. Um, good match. I thought it was, uh, they, they worked well together. I, you know, it's, uh, definitely a different match than what they worked at Revolution a couple of years ago, but, uh, in a good way. Good stuff. Pack cheating to win. Fine. I'm, I'm fine with Pack winning. I think he should have, um, you know, I don't think Orange Cassidy should have won the championship. I thought that would have been pretty dumb. 
Because he's, I mean, at least Pac, say what you will about the championship not having a much of a presence on TV. The whole point of the title is to be like a traveling championship, and they've done that so far. So honestly, I've liked what they've done with the championship up to this point. My only take, my pros and cons from this, I mentioned all the pros. My only con from this, and I know you don't care, but he's had like Orange Cassidy, and I think Sean Rossap pointed this out as well. He's had like eight title matches in AEW, dude. Like, tag, tag, he faced the trios champions a couple weeks ago, lost. He's gone for the AW title, lost. The TNT title, at least three or four times, lost every time. I mean, what do you, I don't, I mean, I know he's over. I'm not even saying he should be champion, but this, this is why I tweeted this this morning. This is why I think best friend should have been the trios champions. Again, I know you don't really care about any of those guys, but like, I feel like that would have been the right role for them. Because, like, what the fuck have Death Triangle done in the last two weeks? Lucha Bros literally lost on Dynamite a week ago, and Phoenix is probably losing on Friday to Jungle Boy. So why are they even trios champions? It just doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a slippery slope, because, like, I don't think he should be winning championships, but, like, it's to the point now, like, he's contended for so many and just keeps losing. It's like, what's the end game at one point? Like, is he just going to be around, be over, and never win anything? I think, like you said, the tr- not that I want him to be winning titles because I just think he's a joke, but if you're going to do it, like you said, the, the trio championships was the perfect, especially with the, what happened, was the perfect situation just to do it there. I mean, it's like you said, Death Triangle hasn't done anything with it. Pax has his own belt. I feel like Phoenix and and uh, Penta lose whenever it matters most. Like, they lose all the time anyway. So, at that point, they should just put on the best friends and just done something with them. Because at this point, like, even with them, like, they've contended for the the world tag titles a hundred times and never won. So I just feel like they're just like team that's over with that fan base, but just never win. Like they're just glorified losers. Yeah. And if they go down as one of the most like unsuccessful teams in AEW because they never really did anything, then whose fault is that? I mean, the thing is, is that they won a lot of their feuds too. Like it's not like they lose a lot. Best friends were pretty protected for the most part. They just never won when it mattered most, I guess, as far as the championships go. Cause I remember they beat Santana and Ortiz in that street fight they beat Miro and Kip Sabian in that feud-ending match about a year and a half ago and probably won other matches they've, uh, since then. I don't know. They just never really won the championships, and it was it was weird to me. At least the trios titles. The tag team titles, I get, but, I mean, the Death Triangle win of the trios titles, I like Death Triangle, but, like, if you're going to give them the trios titles only to turn around and have the Lucha Bros lose to Keith Lee and Swerve the following week, I mean, is that not a pretty stupid decision and then you're going to have Phoenix lose on Friday? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it's... Like you said, it's not, it's... At that point, uh, it's just a fucking prop. Yeah, it's a prop at that point, but, like, with the best friends, like, I don't know how to describe it, because, like, they're not stepping stones. Like you said, they do win a lot when it... They win a lot, but when it comes down to them going to the championship, they just never win. So it's, like, they're, like, the definition of, like, a B-plus player. Like, they're going to be there, they're going to win their handful of matches, but whenever it matters most, they're going to lose. And then it's, like, when it happens year in and year out, it's, like, obviously, like, they have their fans, but it's just, like, I really from a booking-wise, like, why would anyone give a flying fuck about them? Like you said, they never win. It's, and especially when they're there all the time. It's not like they left and came back and, like, maybe something happened. Like, with Braun Strowman, like, at least there's a hope that, like, now that he's back, maybe something will turn into it. Like, yeah. but, like him being in WWE and losing every match, like, who gives a fuck? No, exactly. It's one of those cases. It's almost exactly like Braun, a little bit different, but almost exactly the same in the situation in the sense that, as you mentioned, He's over, and he'll win matches. Like, he wins a majority of his matches, but, like, if he can't win... I mean, I guess the difference with Braun is that he actually won titles in WWE. But I I do get what you're saying, though, and it gives me the same sense. It's like, okay, 
what's the end game here? What are we doing with this guy next? He's over in the casual, like I say casuals, but are there really casuals with AEW? But like, I don't know. It, it's just a weird situation because I'm not like, oh, I want to see a rematch. I don't even want to see the All-Atlantic Championship on Cassidy, but it's like, don't put him in positions to lose if all he's going to do is just keep losing. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I thought the women's match was good, the four-way match for the interim AEW Women's World title. Tony Storm beating Britt Baker, Athena, and Deeb. Um, well-worked match. They got at least 10 minutes, not a ton of time, but not not five minutes, which is a positive. Uh, I like the fact that Tony pinned Britt. Britt does, as we've said before, does not need more titles. She had that year-long reign. She won the Owen Hart Cup tournament. Um, she did not win. The, she did not need to win this championship. So I'm glad she got pinned as well. Britt attacks Tony Storm afterward. Jamie Hader comes out. Everyone's hoping that she'll turn on Britt. She helps Britt instead. I don't know if that was the plan to split them, and then we have the arrival of this next woman, and that changed plans. I don't know. But anyway, before they can go further with the attack, out comes Soraya, the former Paige from WWE, making her first on-screen appearance since I don't even know. I know she was on backstage on Fox or FS1 or whatever a few years ago. I want to say she was on a SmackDown in the Thunderdome Performance Center era. I think it was around Mania time. Like, I think she booked a match for Mania. But I don't even think she was there. I think she just appeared on the big screen. I don't remember. I think probably the first in-person appearance for Paige, since probably she was with the Kabuki Warriors back in 2019. So we're going back a few years now. She's been retired, obviously, from the ring since early 2018. She had her last match at a house show almost exactly five years ago, I think in January of 2018. Uh, pretty, just a freak accident, and uh, she's now in AEW, so there's no status on her in-ring ability and whatever, I mean, they haven't made that clear, but I would be surprised that they gave her this grand arrival, and she's not able to wrestle, um, I saw people saying, oh, she'd be a great manager for X, Y, or Z, no thanks, I mean, I love Paige, I think there is a role for Paige in any company, um, I think she showed the Kabuki Warrior stuff that her as a manager wouldn't be the best option. I know she wanted to actually manage Ronda in WWE, and uh, it just doesn't seem like a great fit to me. But anyway, she is in WWE, or she's in AEW now, rather. It's part of this women's division. Uh, I'm excited to see her, if only for the fact that she hasn't been able to wrestle in a few years now. And like Edge, like Christian, I think her getting a chance to do what she loves again is awesome. And I've always been a big Paige fan. Does this, and we discussed this before, Mr. Marceau. Does this change your optimism for the AEW women's division? For me, I can't say it does. It's For me, it's a wait-and-see approach because I feel like I, I, I'm made to look like a fool every time we fucking talk, dude, where I come on here and I tell you this person's going to change the division or this person's a big get like a Tony or a Athena or a Ruby, and then nothing fucking changes as far as the presentation of this division. Is this a game-changing pick for this division? Can it be and will it be? I mean, technically, it could be. I mean, any of it could be. I just, I mean, we don't even know if she's wrestling. She's been out of the ring for five years. She's now 30 years old. Like, she's another five years older than she was then. I mean, Britt just got her face smashed. Realistically, at the end of the day, the problem is they have too many women that just aren't qualified to do what they're doing. There's so many women just keep getting her and her and her from just simple things that these people should know, like getting dropped on their head all the time or... Land, like, I think this is the second time. I don't know if she... It's, it has been confirmed, but, like, Britt was gushing from her nose. I'm assuming she broke her nose when Athena fell on top of her. Because she... I don't even know why you do that spot to begin with, but whatever. But, I mean, with someone with her injury history, what's it going to take one week for someone to drop her on her head and she's done again? So, I mean, 
if she's wrestling, that's cool and all, and she'll probably get a run, whatever, but I just feel like when they keep bringing in more and more and more ex-WWE people, specifically with the women, like, it hasn't done anything. If anything, it takes all those people that we want to see get a push, keep going down down the card, like, we were seemingly going to get a Jamie Hayter face turn, I thought, I mean, her and Britt had their little beef, and I mean, I was like, okay, and people keep saying, like, oh, she's going to be the one to beat Jade, and all this other shit, but... I mean, she stuck right with Britt last night, so I don't know if plans change because she came in, but like I said, we don't even know if she can compete yet, but I don't know. I, I, I would say, like, there's always a chance. I mean, done right, anything can happen, but with what the women's division's been so far, I, I, I wouldn't push my chips in on it. They have a track history. They have a history of, a track record, a history, of bringing in women, like you said, and it feeling like the turning point because they've been, the honeymoon phase is long gone, and this is not a new thing to criticize the women's division of AEW, not for the lack of talent. I, I, I do think they have a lot of qualified women. There's a lot of women that just aren't good. Um, that is true. I think, to name names, I think Marina Shafir just is awful. Um, and again, we've mentioned, I've mentioned before, I don't think she should be fired or whatever, but I just don't think putting her on, she hasn't been on TV a lot lately, but... You know, her, and there's a couple other women as well. Jade, I don't think it was the right time to put the belt on her. She's also still improving. Um, she at least has gotten a lot better, and she's a star. That's the exception there. But the thing is, is that I just think when it comes down to the portrayal of the women's division, they're still in the same spot they were a year or two ago, where they only have a couple of women who stand out. You know, Athena loses again here. She already lost to Jade a couple weeks ago. She was put in a position to lose again. She wasn't pinned, but where do we go with her from here? Jamie Hayter felt like a homegrown breakout babyface, and she probably still will be. But does Paige's arrival delay that? Do do all eyes go on? It, does she get in the Ruby Soho treatment, dude, where she comes in, gets a title shot, and loses? Do you think that's where we're going with this? With Paige? Yeah. If she wrestles, she can't lose. I mean, maybe I she mean, won't go... the same thing with everyone else, but I mean... I, I mean, I'm assuming if you're bringing her in, but I mean... Obviously, she's not as she's not like right off WWE TV, but like, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think if you bring her in, she can wrestle. I think she'd get a title run. I'd assume, like, but then like I said, I, I, like, does she I, beat Jade Cargill? Is what I'm saying? Like, oh my god, I hope not. No, I'm serious. Like, I'm not saying she should, but I'm just like, I don't know, because she's not beating Tony. And I'm not saying you need to put the belt on anyone who comes in. My big problem is that, like, I say the Ruby Soho treatment. I'm not even saying Ruby should have beaten Britt last year. It should have been Thunder Rosa, who I completely forgot about until I just said her name just now, because she's hurt at the moment. But, like, I just feel like with the women specifically, and the men have the same issue in this company, and it's not the women's fault, it's the booking of the women. They come in and they're hot for a month, and then Tony doesn't really know what to do with them, because all he fucking knows to do with these people, from what it looks like to me, are tag team matches, showcase matches, and multi-women matches. That's all we've gotten with the same four or five people for a couple months, aside from what Jade's doing, which isn't overly interesting anymore. So that's why I feel like with Paige, I mean, would you call her the biggest? I mean, Britt's obviously been the biggest success story. Who do you think, looking in that division, is the biggest female get they've gotten? And is it Paige? Like, is it Thunder Rosa, you think? Or It's tough because, like I said, it's like, if Paige was just coming right off WWE TV, I think it would say her. But she's like, like you said, she's kind of been on the outskirts. Like, really hasn't been featured a lot. I mean, I think like from a Mark standpoint, like someone that's watching, I think you'd say she's probably the biggest get they've got, just because like obviously we know them. But like any casual person, not like at least Tony Storm was on WWE TV, and like 
she was like literally facing Charlotte and left, and then she showed up in AEW. Like, at least she was on TV doing something. Like, Paige has been so far off TV. Like, I think from like me, like saying, "Oh, Paige is in AEW," I feel like it's a, probably a bigger get than to most people. But like I said, she's also hasn't done anything in five years. So, I mean, it wasn't like she was. I don't even know how to describe. It. It's not like she was Becky Lynch. Like. She was winning championships all over the face, and then she just left WWE to come right to AEW. I think it's, like, a different thing. Like, at least with Punk, like, he was a huge star. Like, Paige was big, but, like, she wasn't, like, at the level like Charlotte and all them were. Like, Sasha Banks would have been, like, holy fuck. Like, that's a huge get at this point. And, yeah, yeah like, Sasha, I think if they got, like, someone like Sasha, because she was right off the other team, she's pretty much done anything WWE. She's a big star, yada, yada, yada. But with Paige, like, she's also been off TV for so long, like, she wasn't a huge star when she left either. Like, yeah, she was a good woman's wrestler, but she never really hit her peak because, unfortunately, she got hurt. But I would say it's probably the biggest one that they've gotten. But I just, I don't know. I just don't think she's the one they should be focusing around. But It's interesting, too, because we say she hasn't wrestled in five years. I'm excited to see her back, and she is a big name for that division. I think she is probably one, maybe not one of. I mean, she is one of, I don't know if she is the biggest get they've gotten because she hasn't, we don't know what she could do in the ring. She hasn't wrestled in years. It's interesting too. If, if you think back, her last match was in early 2018, but realistically, dude, for like her last real run, you would have to go back. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like maybe like seven years. Cause remember when she came back in 2017, she came back with absolution. And then that was like her big return. She was only back for like a month or two before she got hurt. She wasn't back for very long. And prior to that point, she had a neck injury. She had all the other shit going on in her life. She was gone for like a year and a half. And before that, she was around, what, 2016, 2015. It's part of the Divas Revolution bullshit, you know? Like, that was probably the last page run she had. And even at that point, she didn't feel overly special because they brought in all these other women that overshadowed her. Like, she has not won a title since 2014. Like, they put the Divas title on her once or twice. And they never really bothered to push her again at a meaningful level after that. So... I don't know. It's weird. Like, I think Paige is a big star, and I think she could be a big star for this division. But it's the, even WWE towards the end never really made her the name that I thought she could have been, given how young she was. No, yeah, I completely agree. That's why I'm like a little bit more hesitant. I feel like a lot of people just see her and like, oh, she was in WWE, and at one point she was. I mean, at the point that she was kind of pushed, like twenty, like you said, twenty fourteen. Like there really wasn't that many women they were pushing. Like she was like up and comer, like her and AJ Lee and all that shit. But like, like you said, it wasn't like she was, like, at a Sasha or Becky or Charlotte level when she left, and it's like, oh, my God, she's back. She never really had that run, and not like it's her fault, but... On the main roster, yeah. Her. I, think if, I, don't, I think if she didn't get hurt, obviously, she'd still be competing in WWE now, and she'd be up there with the Beckys and all of them, but being off TV for so long and not wrestling, like, you can only say, like, yeah, I think she's a big get and all that, but like I said, she also hasn't been wrestling so long, so I can't really say. I just, I think from a wrestling fan mind she's the biggest one they've got but like notoriety like for someone that like watches WWE and stuff I feel like Tony or one of them would probably be considered a, a bigger get at this point just because they were coming right off WWE TV yeah no I, I would agree with that I'm curious to see what she does and I think my biggest thing is that I think she's a great get I just want to see a company it doesn't have to I mean it is AEW because she's there but like AEW WWE whatever I just want to see someone capitalize on the talent this woman has. And I, again, I don't know what she's capable of at this point. She hasn't wrestled in years, but 
I just, she, they, they made a fucking movie about her, dude. Like, there's people that I know that are not wrestling fans that don't give a fuck about WWE or whatever. Do not watch Raw. Do not watch AEW. But they know who she is because they saw her movie. And it wasn't like this blockbuster film. But it, it made it, it made the round. Like, it came out in theaters, and it was in theaters for a little bit. And it also was on, I think it might still be on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It was on Hulu at one point. And I had family members that watched it that enjoyed it. So, I don't know. I just want to see her do well. And I want to see her utilized as the star I think she can be. Um, but time will tell if anything actually so, changes in that division. So, you're saying that you don't think WWE used her to her... I feel like you're saying... That, but the way they were wording is you're trying to say that WWE didn't use her to the star capability that she could have been. Correct. That's how I feel. Because I feel like... I'm trying to think, like... Because you have to provide context here. In 2014... So, okay, well, okay. well, like, well, going off of what you said, because I agree with everything you said, I don't disagree with as far as the run she had, and she wasn't at Sasha's level, you're right. It just, I mean, we could do a whole episode on Paige's career, but, like, just as, from the point she was on the main roster, because she was huge in NXT, and NXT had all the women that you're talking about, and she was the most established of them all, and she had a great run, she had the matches with Emma, she was awesome. She's always been really good. On the main roster, I think, and again, we're speaking four years, eight years later, I remember talking about this at the time, and you may have been on the show at this point. We can go back in the archives eight years. Do you think, in retrospect, it was the right idea, the right call to have Paige win the title her first night in? It was a great moment, and people remember that, but I feel like she may have picked peak too early because there was no chase there with her, and because she won the title immediately, there was really nowhere for her to go in there, in that company, in that division at that point, but down. Well, yeah. If you win the belt the first night, there's only only thing going down. I, I mean, I don't think. I I think. I just I'm trying to think how to word this. I, I don't mean, think it's the company's fault, though. I will provide no, more I don't context. Blame the, I don't think the it's her. I mean, I think theoretically, like I said, if she what never got hurt, like she was in like the whole faction warfare with like Charlotte and all them, like. If she didn't get hurt, obviously I think she'd been a focal point, and still will be. But yep. I, I don't think I think her injuries, are, if anything, is what hurt her the most. But like you said, also when you come in being the champion the first day, there's only you're only going down from there. I mean, it's like kind of like Kevin Owens, like he beat John Cena the first night, like his first big match. Like, well, how like you beat John Cena at that point? Like, I mean, guess winning a championship, but at that point, John Cena was such a big deal. Like, can you top that? Like, yeah, I think it's a similar situation. Like, you win the belt. And especially when the women's championship at that point wasn't that big of a deal. Like, if you won at that point, the only way is going down. Because there's nothing, like you said, there's no chase or there's nothing else you can really do. So, yeah, I get it in that aspect as well. Yeah, no, actually, you make a great point with Owens as well. I, I think that one's more on the company because he's a guy, like like you said, he beat Cena his first night in. He, to me, should have been a perennial main eventer in that company where he, I mean, he's always been relevant. He's never been, I will never say Owens has had a bad career in WWE. He's had a great career. And that's for a guy that's only... He hasn't held the title in five years. Um, he's a guy that, to me, should be higher up in the card than he is. I mean, he is now, but you know, before now, he, he just should have been at the main event level more consistently. With Paige, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify, and I, that was my, my bad, but you pointed it out. It wasn't the company's fault for the most part because she was relevant throughout all of 2015. She got a bunch of title shots. I think we were at TLC. She had two title shots at TLC and Survivor Series, but when we, when we went to TLC in 2015, remember she got a title shot against Charlotte and she lost. Do you remember that? I mean, my memory sucks. So. <laughs> that was back when the division really didn't mean a lot, to be fair, and the, the feuds weren't great. But, you know, she was, a, she was a player at that point. My point is, is that I think if she never got her either time, then I think she would be in Charlotte Flair's role 
maybe to the point of overexposure, but she would be a perennial player in that division where she could be in the champion role at any point, like a, like any of the four horsewomen. But the problem is that she got hurt. Because I think another issue too is like you said, she won the title early on and that was it. But like that was also back when we only had one women's title. And then after that, around the time that we had two women's championships and the brand split became a thing, she literally got hurt like before the brand split was ever even instituted. So because of that, she never really had a chance to be a featured player in either show. And when she did and she came back, she was only back for two months. And honestly, she could have been the one to uh, win the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania or whatever from Alexa Bliss that year. But we'll never know because she obviously got hurt and she never wrestled again until now. So it is interesting. I didn't know this would turn into a page episode, but it's interesting to discuss her career because um, I just feel like she should be bigger and that's not WWE's fault. I just My point is, is that I want AEW to actually make her feel special. To me, Britt Baker feels special. Who else in that division, to you, Mr. Marceau, feels special for the women? Um, Tony's getting there, but that's not... It's not any of the women's fault. I just think as far as their portrayal. That's a great question. I mean, Britt Baker, definitely. I mean, that's a that's one. I feel like I would... I would still put Jade in that conversation. Okay, I'm sorry. Jade, too. Jade, too. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot The problem with her is I feel like she's starting to become less of a focal point. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw her on Dynamite. She's pretty much only on Rampage or on Rampage. And that's not her fault, but it's kind of similar to her. Like, she got brought right in, and she won the championship right away. So, it's like, she's running this. Basically, at this point, she's beating everyone. She's running that whole undefeated streak. But once she loses, like, then what? Like, what do you do with her? It's like... That's what I hate with the whole undefeated streak because, like, once that's over with, like, what makes you special? Because once you lose, like, what is it at that point? So I put her, but I feel like she is starting to cool off a little bit. Britt Baker, I think the problem with her, like you said, she was so overexposed. Like, she was, they basically had to turn her heel because she was so overexposed. Like, the fans just gave up on her. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to cheer for her. So I think she's still a star. And, like, I think at any point, like, not in the near future, but she's, like, one of those people you could always put the title on. And I don't think people would hate it, but. I think she's probably the only star. I think Jade's getting there, but besides her, like, Thunder Rosa's, like, she's been good, but she keeps getting hurt constantly. Well, they also I, just don't portray her as a star at this point either. Well, yeah, at this point, she's just there. Yeah. I like Tony. I think she needs a lot more kind of seasoning. I feel like every match is serious is, like, in a fatal four-way. Like, give her own, like, program, an own title shot, obviously. Give her some more her- promo time, too. Same, exactly. I'll say give her some more promo time. But besides them, I mean, I think Hater has a lot of potential, but it seems like she's still kind of in the backseat. Um, I mean, Ty Conti, no. I think Anna Jay at one point had potential, and now she's doing the whole JAS shit. <laughs> she took three steps back. So Exactly. So we'll see with her. Nyla Rose, no. Marina Shafir, no. I mean, Chris Statlander's always... I'm not even a big fan of hers, but she's hurt constantly. Yeah, that's um, just unfortunate. Yeah. Done, I mean, she's. I mean, at this point, she might as well just ask for her release. She's lost so many times. I don't think she, they could even rehab her. Soho, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's done. Uh, Athena, I mean, she's starting to get in Soho territory. I mean, she's lost every title match she's gotten. So, well, thankfully it's only been two. But yeah, she's not in a great spot. But yeah, we're. I mean, when you're brought in and everyone's like, oh, she's going to be the one to beat Jade and she loses, you're like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, it goes back to when we say, I should get this on a t-shirt. It's all about the aftermath. And what's the aftermath then? She lost again. No, it is. And I I understand it to a point, but I think this is the problem. I think what they do is they bring these people in and, like, they're always, like you said, they're a big deal for a couple weeks. But the problem is, 
which I get to a point. I think they like maybe a little gun sh- gun shy. Like they don't want they want to put the belt on these people. But the problem is, I think the audience itself is such a niche audience. That, like I feel like they would get so upset if like Ruby Soho came in and won the belt, or like an person came in and won the belt. But then it's like at that point, why bring them in? Like. I feel like people will be, will be, and I I mean, I would be pretty pissed, though, if they brought Paige and Chelsea to beat Jade. Like, I just mm-hmm. I just feel like it's such a slop. Like, why can't you just build someone up in your own company instead of just giving, like, it feels like a lot of these people are just being brought in, like, getting overshadowed by XWWE people. Like, at the end of the day, like, they should build up Jamie Hayter to be the one to beat Jade, not just bring in Ruby Soho or Athena or Tony Storm or page to be, be the ones that beat her like you need to start building your own people when someone like i said when molly watches the show and she's just like wait weren't they in w weren't they in w like yeah. besides mjf who she that's the only person that she knows that's like not wwe like everyone else is an ex wwe person like it is what it is but like you have the opportunity to build like where's been where's darby been like i don't want to go on a darby ramp but, like where's he been like he was pushed up the car like thought he was gonna be this big breakout guy like yeah yeah that TNT title, but I haven't seen him in forever. I'm over Guevara. Like, don't need to see him. But, like, Peter, <laughs> Darby, I just feel like there's some other people that, like, they built up, like, and they've done nothing. And they should be the ones that are beating these ex-WWE people and getting credibility. But we seemingly haven't seen it. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I mean, I think they should be actively building up their own talent, in addition to the people they brought in, because I don't want to be hypocritical and say they shouldn't focus on people like Swerve and Keith Lee, because they're awesome. But, like, I think the difference is that with the men, at least I can point to a few different people they're building up. Like, with Jungle Boy, they're clearly building up. They're clearly building up, like, a hopefully Hobbs and Starks. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Wardlow. What'd you say? Wardlow. Wardlow, obviously, they're building but up Wardlow. I will Wardlow. say, since him and T split up from MGF, he's probably done the worst work of his career, so. No, no 100%. That's not his fault, but yeah. Yeah, 100%. They just haven't had him do anything really he's just been on fucking rampage facing uh let me check my notes ryan nemeth but um yeah no i i i completely agree but i think the big difference is that with the women who are they building up jamie hater okay great who else they have a division with you could probably go on wikipedia right now and it would tell you they have 30 women i don't know if that's a, i don't think that's a stretch they definitely have close to 30 they have a lot of fucking women on their show they really do and okay i will say this they were building up chris statlander before she got hurt who else are we building up? Jade Cargill. Okay, you know, actually, I'll you know they're building up Jade, Chris, and Jamie Hader. Eh, I think they should be building up a few more women than that, though. But that's just. I mean, Red Velvet was like kind of in the picture, and she got her. Um, Abaddon, no. Don't get me started on Abaddon. Funny, like she's. I mean, she's just basically like Penelope Ford. They're both like basically stepping. She's stones. done. Cheetah. I mean, haven't seen her in front. I mean, she came back for that four-way, but. She's she's been mistreated. I feel like she could have been like one of their breakouts. She should she should you know what it is? She should be on the same level as Britt Baker, and she's not. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. After coming off a year long like, run, absolutely. They kind of pushed her, and she got hurt. Uh, Nyla Rose, I mean, Christ Almighty, at this point, Paige Van Zandt, I die if she's on the roster. <laughs> red, like the Red Velvet, I mean, she was seemingly getting pushed, and she got hurt. Riho, no. Ruby Soho is done. Um, Serena Deeb, I feel like she's just like the veteran that's just going to put people over. I'm not that I'm against that, but she's great. Ty Conti, no. Thunder Rosa, she seemingly gets hurt all the time, but she's not really booked as a star. T- 
Tony Storm starting to get there, and then Yuki Sakazar. No. So, like I said, I think one of the biggest things that point out to me, specifically with the women's division, for how long they've been around, Britt and Sheeta should be like one, two. Like, they should be at the same level, and they're just not. When Sheeta lost that belt, she just was never on TV, and whenever she got back on TV, she just lost constantly. So, I mean, yeah, they've done a bad job with that. Yeah, just it just they really need to do a better job of building up more women, and they have a few. I'm not saying there's none, but it really should be. I don't know, man. We're three years in now, almost four years, and they don't have as many homegrown women as they as they should. And they've brought people in, but the problem is with the people they brought in, they don't focus on them either. Roby Solo is a fucking loser, and I'm glad Tony Storm is finally a champion somewhere. But you know, again, give her some more mic time. There's always room for improvement. I applaud their you know progress, but there's always room for improvement. Uh, the cap off this review, Moxley beating Danielson for the AEW World Championship, winning, winning the vacant title and becoming a three-time champion in the process. There was always the tease, does MJF cash in? And he kind of hinted at that, and he was sitting in the rafters. I actually like that they did that, because I think if they didn't do that, then me, then you, and everyone else would be saying, oh, like they wouldn't care about the match. They would just be waiting for the cash in. So I'm glad they actually did that to kind of tell you, listen, there's probably not going to be a cash in. And if there is, cool. If there's not, then it's fine. So I actually like that they did that. They had to rush the final like two minutes or so. They they ran out of time, which was you know they, they just was not a well timed show. Um, but I thought it was another good match, and you know I was fine with the other guy winning. I kind of wanted Danielson to win just to have something different. I thought Moxley was taking time off anyway. I guess not right now, but um, you know I know you mentioned it last week. If you're gonna put the belt on someone only to take it off of them, you know Danielson at least he would have been something different, but I don't have an issue with Moxley being champion if MJF's just going to win it soon or at full gear or something. So anyway, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Moxley, the three-time AEW world champion? Yeah, I mean, if the belt, if just gonna, he's just going to hold the belt until full gear and, and MJF's going to take the belt off him. I, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. I just would go back to just MJF. Should just, it should just have been him and MJF at the show and MJF should have just won the belt there, but it's just not the direction we went with. But, uh, that was a fine match. Yeah, I, like you said, I kind of like that they had him in the press box. I will say, I wish at one point, like, they showed, like, the light in the press box and he wasn't there, so then it kind of gave you the thought. Because, obviously, he's in the press box. like, okay, he's definitely not cashing in. Yeah. So, it kind of threw it out the window, which was nice, but I kind of wish there was more of a tease at it. But then I also know that if he didn't, people would be pissed anyway. So, <laughs> I guess you can't – you're not going to you're not gonna make everyone happy. But, yeah, like you said, at the very end, like, they clearly were running on time. Like, it was, like, 9.59, and they still hadn't got to the finish yet. I'm like, what the fuck? And then even at the end, like, Regal came down, put the belt on Moxley, and then, like, right before it cut out, like, Danielson got up and, like, seemingly got in Regal's face and then just cut out and then went to, like, the 10 Like, that's how low on time they were. Like, maybe they were going to tease, like, some kind of BCC, like, issues, but, like, it literally went right – it cut right to, like – because it ran over time, so. Yeah. I mean, they showed Daniels to get up in Regal's face, but then you miss the rest of it. They- <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, that's another thing that they need to work on. Like, their timing is so bad. Like, there's so many times at end of matches, you can tell that they're clearly rushing because they're running out of time. But, I mean, if you just didn't, if you had your DVR set just to 10 on the dot, you'd miss probably a lot of stuff because they literally run over or, like, are right. Like, the match ended and went, like, two seconds later, they're off the AR. So, mm-hmm. they definitely need to work on that and be better with that. But, Besides that, I thought it was a good match. They're going to take the belt off him. That's fine with me. But, I mean, realistically, it should just be MGF champion already. Yeah, no, he's the best part of the show. And Moxley, I mean, from a booking 
from a booking standpoint, I get it because he's the best thing in the. I mean, from a booking standpoint with Moxley, he's the guy that's really held the product together for a little while now. He's the most reliable guy in the show. I mean, it's kind of a reward for him, so I, I totally get it. Um, I have no issue with that at all. I just, you know, Danielson would have been cool, but n- no complaints here. Uh, but a very enjoyable show overall. As we wind down here, I'll just mention this real quickly before I let you go, Mr. Marceau. Uh, not really a lot to note from Raw. I thought it was a solid show, setting up stuff, for, setting up some stuff for Extreme Rules, including Bailey, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. We're also getting Rollins and Riddle rematch, Fight Pit. The debut of the Fight Pit on the main roster, finally. we having it two times in NXT with... Uh, First, it was Riddle and Thatcher, then Thatcher and Ciampa. Thatcher going 0-2 out there, 2-0, and he's not going to be involved in this one unless he's brought back. But, yeah, Riddle and Rollins in a fight pit. I, I love that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I love that's going to be a fight pit. Like you said, honestly, I think it would be sick if, like, they had Rollins bring in Thatcher because he know like, brings him in to help train or do yeah, something like yeah. 2-0. Like, I think that would be a nice little cameo. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, like you said, I think that's been a success in NXT, so bring in this few, like, this is a few that could use it. Like, it makes sense. not like they're just pulling it out. Of, like, oh, it's November or it's Extreme Rules, so we're going to pull an Extreme Rules match. Like, for their story they're telling, it makes sense. I like it a lot. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. I think it's going to be great and uh, gives Riddle a chance to avenge his loss to Rollins inside the fight pit, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Um, looking forward to that. Really nothing else much of note from Raw. Again, I thought it was a fine show. Um, I will mention this real quick because it was newsworthy from NXT. Solo Sokoa having to vacate the NXT North American Championship. I guess, due to, uh, according to Shawn Michaels, due to the fact the match wasn't officially sanctioned, so it didn't count, even though they had him defended on Friday SmackDown and he had custom side plates made. I mean, I assume they just filmed this at the show last week afterward, which makes this make even less sense. I'm sorry, but this was really fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, this made no sense. Um, I'm not going to like flip out like everyone did on Twitter, but like I said to you on via text, I mean, so he wins the match. Okay, if it's not sanctioned, then after the fact, can you just do like a WWE exclusive and be like, hey, like, I understand you won, but, you know, it wasn't sanctioned, we're going to take the belt off you then. But the fact that he won the win to SmackDown, defended it in a title match, just the vacated this week. Like, this show was taped last week. Like, it was a known thing that the show was taped last week. So, I just don't know why they would do it. I think, like, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, like, maybe because of the whole Logan Paul press comments. Like, okay, he has a fucking NXT title on. Like, who gives a shit at that point? <laughs> yeah. So, like, realistically, it shouldn't make, it doesn't make any sense at the end of the day. I mean, I just don't really, it's like, the people are like, oh, well, it's his debut, he debuted, like, a couple weeks ago. So, it just doesn't make sense. Like I said to you, if anything, like, maybe they thought, like, he might have done some more stuff with NXT, and they're just like, ah, actually, never mind, he's not gonna. So, then they took the belt off him. But, like I said, it was taped last week. Unless they did this segment, and they just threw it in. Like, obviously, if it's a tape show, you can just put it, or VTR, yeah. so, whatever, but... I was saying, like, if they're going to take that belt off him, anything, they should just, like, make up a championship for him. And then Sammy will be pissed because they didn't make a championship for him. Like, like something like the FTW belt, like, he's a street champion. It's not, like, a recognized belt, but he has a belt because, like, he's in the bloodline. He needs to level up. He needs a belt. I think it would be the perfect situation, but taking that belt off him made no sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I did you say or was I just imagining this, that you would take the 24-7 title and rebrand that? Did you say that or no? Oh, yeah, or you can rebrand the 24-7 into something like he'd be the 24-7 champion just kicking people's ass in the yeah. back. I don't know. But, like, make it serious, not make it like a joke. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. No, I, I, you know, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, no, I could see the only explanation for why they did what they did was the fact that I know they had unfinished business in NXT, Hayes and Sokoa did, but Sokoa was already gone from NXT. So 
either keep him on SmackDown and don't bring him back to NXT for a one-off, or if you're going to do a one-off, have him... I don't know. Hayes was champion for months. I just think having him lose it to a guy that's already on SmackDown at that point is just stupid if he's going to vacate it within a week. Otherwise, I thought it was cool, but if you're going to have him lose it immediately, it's just fucking dumb. Um, I would have rather, because at this point, you know what they're going to do, and they already announced they're doing a ladder match at Halloween Havoc for the vacant title. Okay, cool. Well, you know what this means, though, is that they're going to have Wesley win the championship when no one gives a shit. Like, I think he should have been the one to beat Hayes, and it would have mattered more in a singles match. Because now that you're doing a ladder match, okay, now it's pretty obvious that he's winning, right? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. But, like you said, if anything, he should just be in the match defending the belt, and then he just doesn't win it, and then you move on. I just think, like you said, the whole him defending on SmackDown just to drop it, it made no sense. Yeah, it was stupid. I just, I thought it was... Uh, a rare miss from Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels as far as that sh- sort of shit goes. But uh, anyway, hopefully we can uh, hope for better stuff next week on that front. But we're going to have more talk on Raw next week. Dynamite as well. This was a big Grand Slam edition of WrestleRant Radio here today. And uh, it was a pretty newsworthy show, and rightfully so. So we'll have more WWE and AEW talk here in the show next week. Um, not next week, because I thought, you know, today's the 22nd. In two weeks is Extreme Rules, so in two weeks we're breaking that down. Uh, next week it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on, so it's going to be a bit of a quiet week, which is good. Uh, new episodes every single Thursday. We have new uh, new episodes on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podcast, uh, Podbean, Amazon Music, all that good stuff. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. New episodes every single Thursday. Mr. Marceau, start fluffing up that pillow, brother. I can't wait for survival. Survivor Series in Boston to be crashing the Marshall Compound come November. Can't wait. Take care, Mr. Marshall. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Later. Adios.